Hi, and welcome to Responsa Radio, where you ask and we answer questions of Jewish law in modern times. I'm Rabbi Avi Killip, Executive Vice President at Hadar, here with Rabbi Ethan Tucker, Rosh Yeshiva at Hadar, a center for higher Jewish learning based in New York City. When is the last time that you were at a sporting event in a, in a stadium? Yeah, I don't know, a couple months ago. Where, where'd you go? It was at Yankee Stadium. Yankee Stadium. Mine was definitely Atlanta, Atlanta baseball. Um, this question today actually comes out of someone's experience at a stadium. Um, and I think it will be, you'll be surprised where it goes. Great. Can't wait. This questioner found themselves encountering a lachic question in a, in a moment in a space that they may not have expected. Was it like whether they could root for the Red Sox? Ooh, <laughs> I'm going to be on the other side of that, uh, of that divide. Um, so, so we'll let that slide. Um, but, I, but I did hear that they actually daven mincha at both Yankee Stadium and Chase, not Chase Stadium, and City so, Field. Yes, indeed. During the game. It's a very pious city. For some reason, that doesn't happen in Atlanta baseball games. <laughs> we'll have to work on that. The questioner writes, I was recently at a sporting event where the line to exit the bathroom took close to five minutes. Sounds bad. That sounds annoying. Yeah. <laughs> here's, here's the question. How long following an action or event requiring a bracha can you still make the bracha? How does one behave while waiting for the opportunity if you're conscious of the fact that you need to make a bracha but are temporarily unable and what ultimately severs the connection to the bracha? So I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that the action that we're talking about here is that this person used the restroom. And Sounds the, right. And the bracha that they were hoping to make uh, is a sher yetzar, is a, a blessing that we say after using the restroom, mm-hmm. but that you don't recite it actually in the bathroom itself. You wait until you've exited the room, and that's when you recite it. Um, and there is a v- unusually long time that this person was waiting. Yeah. Five minutes sounds like a very long time to get out of a bathroom, maybe a fire hazard. But they wanted to know when they got out of the bathroom, can I still say this blessing? And then I would maybe – uh, suggest that we also sort of broaden the question to say, are there other examples of this? Are there other examples of actions and then blessings that follow after that we may get waylaid for some reason in between? And and is that a problem? What do we do during that time? Um, how, do, how do we fill that zone and or do we ever like, up oh, clock's up, mm-hmm. if, you know, actually it was 15 minutes to get out of the bathroom and now I'm out of luck. I mean, suggestion number one is they need some architectural review on the stadium, but that's not our department. Uh, So, yeah, I agree with the overall framing here. This feels to me like one of those questions where um, I hope we can do the job we aim to do, which is halacha can sometimes seem like just an endless parade of small details that, if I can speak freely, can feel like they're just micromanaging all kinds of parts of your life. And then the people who get into the questions are just asking a million questions about how can I micromanage my life further? And it can feel uh, a little bit claustrophobic to those who are not already in that space. It's a good reminder because you know the details, the halachic details are where I, I, I get most excited. You love them. And though I talk about them, I'm totally sympathetic to people who are 
unable to handle them. Um, and I think that's part of my motivation. And I know yours also of um, the details actually being um, really meaningful and important indicators of certain larger questions. This, I think, is an example where the answer, which we could try to flesh out on how long does the bracha window stay open, as it were, is actually potentially a really useful and important way of getting a sense of what is the bracha doing? Like, what is the work that it's meant to do? What kind of disposition is it meant to give you? And I think what we both love about halacha is we really believe that you actually can't fully unlock those larger questions without seeing in real time, oh, how would you live this out? What would be the lived experience that then these details, you know, kind of translate to something larger? Uh, let's just recap by starting what you said on the premise of the question. I think it's important so we understand. So indeed, there is a notion of a bracha, of a blessing of Asher Yatsar, which is kind of an amazing uh, liturgical piece. Asher Yatsar Adam Bechochmah. The one, blessed is the one who formed and created the human being with wisdom. Uvaravo nekavim nekavim chalulim chalulim. Created the human body with crevices and orifices, holes, entrances, exits, kind of referring to the whole digestive system, you know, the plumbing of the human body, as it were, um, and saying to God, um, you know, if any of those start closing up or opening up when they're not supposed to, I can't even imagine how I would go through the day. That's the bracha you're meant to say every time you relieve yourself, you go to the bathroom. Uh, it's this moment of reflection on the wonder of what is one of the things that we do most frequently, almost without thinking about it, many of us. It really is one of the most moving, like particularly beautiful, poetic, both in the the actual sounds of the words, nekavim, nekavim, chalilim, yeah. chalilim. I'm, I'm in, really into poetry, so I love the music of this brecha, um, but also the the concept, right, of stopping to just acknowledge the wonder of the complexity of the human body. Um, and, you know, we always say you only notice your body when things don't work. Mm -hmm. um, and this bracha that points us in the direction of noticing when things do work, which is a practice that, you know, a, a disposition to the world that in theory you could apply to everything, you know, like, wow, I can't believe you know, I drove from home to work and I didn't get into a car accident. That was a miracle. I can't believe my plane took off and landed. There's so many processes. I, I took a letter and I put it in the mailbox and it arrived at mm -hmm. your house um, that we could just be wondering and marveling at, at the success. Um, and the fact that this blessing comes after going to the bathroom means it's just with you all day. Yeah. Um, it's not a – it's not even, you know, you wake every morning and you say Moda'ani. You actually carry this – this idea, this poem with you throughout everything you're doing all day, um, it really has the ability to to impact your worldview. Yeah. And just to make explicit what you just implied, it's not just the thing you say upon waking the first time you go to the bathroom. It's understood, certainly as it develops over time and how it plays out into normative halacha, each and every time you go to the bathroom this bracha is meant to be said. And our questioner has a problem because there is a general rule about invoking God's name that you can't do it in places of filth or inadequate cleanliness, 
places that are of the ilk of a bathroom, Mm -hmm. um, where there are things going on there that are natural and perfectly fine and things we praise God for, but we keep the actual sacred expression of reaching out to God through brachot or studying Torah or reading verses or all of that out of those spaces. So here the person is waiting to leave, and they want to actually reflect backwards on this experience they just had, but they're not in a place where it's an appropriate place to do that. So what's the guidelines? Right. Meaning it sounds almost silly as a question, as a story, but when you take a step back to to imagine, you know, you're at a baseball game, you're at a basketball game, and what you're thinking about is like, what a miracle that I just was able to go to the bathroom. Um, that's kind of an amazing yeah. mental space to be in. Right. So more power to the questioner for, you know, modeling that. And, well, let's try to play out play out an answer and and get to some models. I think it's actually helpful to go to some other examples first, and then maybe we can come back to some of the specific data on this. So, you know, one category that's really important in general around brachot and mitzvot more broadly is what's captured by the term hesechadat, sort of losing focus, shifting to another mental space. For a lot of us in our current world, I feel like that can happen on a 30-second interval. I was going to say, there's no such thing as maintaining mental space. <laughs> right. So they, they probably had a little bit of a longer uh, run on that. But there's, there's a notion which we all understand, which is in some basic sense being focused on something as opposed to having your attention pulled elsewhere. And in general, brachot, let's say, that are said prior to doing something whether it's a bracha over food or a bracha before performing a mitzvah, those are meant to be what's called over la'asiyatan. You go directly from the recitation of the bracha to the performance of the mitzvah or to the consumption of the food. But in theory, like if there's a window where you didn't get wrapped up in having a conversation with someone else or completely stopping to focus on what's happening, as long as you maintain clear mental continuity and focus between the time you said the bracha and what follows, that's your standard of it still being legitimate. We have an example of this. It's actually two different brachot, but where people may be familiar with this. So when you wash your hands... Um, and say al netilat yadaim, and you're then getting ready to eat bread, right. right? And there's a notion that well, those two should be linked because the only reason you're washing your hands and saying a blessing over that, as opposed to it just being you know washing your hands at the sink, um, is to prepare for this ritual engagement, as it were, with the bread and its echoes, you know, with priestly food and purity and all the things that bring it into this hand washing space. Um, the standard there is this. It's basically hesechadat. It's are you still focused? Can we reasonably say, I wash my hands, and then the next thing that I did was said hamotzi and eat the bread. Um, there are proxies for that. Uh, the Ramah in the Shulchan Aruch rules uh, that the amount of time it takes you to walk a hundred amot. So let's say a hundred fifty feet. Yeah, he's like. That's more or less, you know, the amount you would walk 150 feet is within the window. If it's more than that, I kind of assume you got distracted. Even that can be dealt with. You know, most people will say, 
Yeah, but if you go from the sink to sitting at the Shabbat table and you're just waiting for a lot of people to wash and people are singing a nigun for three minutes, but you're totally locked in, right? You're focused. So then it's okay. So that's one standard of are you still thinking about it? And then the bracha is kind of still connected. Right. It's, uh, you know, if I stop to take a phone call in between, then, then, that's, then it's I'm doing a different thing now. That's exactly right. Right. And in general, speech on any topic that's not understood to be linked to the thing at hand is that way. So, you know, you could say, please pass me the salt mm-hmm. that I need to put on the bread. That's not an interruption, right? You're actually just allowed to do that. Or I need the serrated knife from the kitchen. Can you bring it? Or could you maybe say... Child number two, did you get to wash? <laughs> yes, exactly. You could do that. But if you're just, you know, you wash your hands and then you start asking someone about the latest score from the ball game, uh, you're off topic. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, that's one standard. There's an interesting different standard for eating food and the brachot afterwards. So let's say I eat a whole meal. And then normally I'm supposed to say birkat amazon. Right. I'm supposed to say the grace after meals. Let's say I forgot, right? Uh, do I still say it if I realize 10 minutes later after I left the place I ate? Mm-hmm. How about an hour later? How about three hours later, right? What's the standard? So already back in the Mishnah, the standard there is ad sheyit akel hamazon b'me'av. It's the amount of time it takes for the food to be digested. Mm-hmm. Essentially, if the food still feels like it's in your stomach, which, what does that mean? It means some version of, if someone were to offer you something to eat, you would say, nah, I'm, I'm good. I just ate. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, or, no, I'm not thirsty. Like, I'm good. I just drank. Um, then the food is still sort of doing its thing. Um, and you can still, can and must, say the brachot afterwards to thank God for the food. But once you're past that threshold, that bracha is gone. So here the idea is still that you want it to be as close as possible. You know, the ideal would be to say it immediately upon finishing your meal before you stood up. But if I realize it later, it's okay, you know, after after an hour, after two hours even. Yeah, sometimes people will try to put formal numbers on this and say 72 minutes and they'll borrow from other areas and try to standardize. Uh, but it's meant to be something that captures a mentality. Like, are you are you ready to eat the next thing? Yeah, I'm always <laughs> um, ready to eat the next thing. So I better I better be uh, pretty pretty good about benching, right? Right uh, yeah. after I eat. <laughs> yeah. And even there, look, the frames can make a difference too. Like if you're at a Shabbat lunch that goes for four hours. Lo alenu, like I can't stand that. But, you know, I love so, it. So that's it's your thing. Best. That's your thing of a four-hour Shabbat lunch. There are times I've been at a meal where it's like I'm literally still sitting at the table and I haven't eaten anything in two hours. Uh-huh. Like people are just talking, singing. This. I and was going to say every good Shabbos meal to me. My definition of a good Shabbos meal is that I sat on the couch for at least some portion of it. <laughs> I always think I want to arrange my house where it's like some people could be at the table and some people could be on the couch. That's really important to me. We are like exact opposite. I consider <laughs> that I have failed if I have not yet said Birkata Mazon by the time someone has had to go to the couch. Uh-huh. It's like, that's it. You don't want to be here anymore. Forget it. 
That's, anyway. That's the best part of the meal. You might say that, okay, and there are people who will say, no, 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 if you're sitting at the table, that's still linked, even if it was a long time. Yeah. But the point is, imagine a case where, yeah, you get up, you move on. I didn't say beer karamazon. Well, basically check how you're feeling. Now, what I think is interesting about that, right, is that's not a standard of losing focus. Just to sort of unpack it, what's happening there is you ate your meal, you got up, you totally forgot about that. Mm -hmm. Then later you said, oh, shoot. It, almost by definition, there was hesechadat. You had a mental shift. Right. But then you say, let me check in with my stomach. Yeah, I still feel full. Okay, I'm going to say beer karamazon. Right? So there's something actually really linked to what we learn from that is the brachot after food are about tapping into what is my current state of being satisfied. It goes back to the verse in the Torah. So you eat, you're satisfied, and then you bless God. So you only say the blessing if you're in a state, basically, of satisfaction. So the blessing connects not really to the eating, but to the uh, satiation. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think that's exactly it. So this is a great example where I'm giving you a technical answer. How long do I have to say the bracha? Right. Okay. But really what I'm telling you is, here's what this is about. This is about tapping into what state is your body in. And if you've passed that threshold, sorry, can't get that one back. You actually didn't thank someone at the moment when it mattered. This is a good time to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Responsa Radio. But before that, I wanted to let you know about an upcoming program at Hadar that you might love. The Executive Seminar is on July 16th through 20th of 2023 at Yeshivat Hadar in New York City. The Executive Seminar is a week of incredible, immersive learning designed for learners with all backgrounds and all levels of text learning experience. This year, our topic is Clashing Cultures, Bavel and Eretz Yisrael. Visit hadar.org for more information. Now let's dive back in. So let's see, is it the same for Asher Yatsar? If I have to go to the bathroom again, then it's been too long. Okay, so amazing that you intuit this. So the Shulchan Aruch actually has this case that's cited in the name of a Gaon, an earlier post-Talmudic authority. Uh, and here's the case that it gives. It says, if you go to the bathroom and then you... Stop thinking about it. Like, you move on. You don't say any bracha. You move on to a next thing. And then you go to the bathroom again. Okay? So you've now gone to the bathroom twice, uh -huh. but really at two different intervals. It wasn't just like I was going to the bathroom. I paused. I then continued. No, no. These were two different visits to the bathroom. Tzarich levarech shtei pe'amim asher yatsar. You have to say the asher yatsar blessing twice. In a row? In a row. Ooh, even more the, repetition. I even love it. more. Now, so here's what's interesting. Later commentators on the Shulchan Aruch can't quite handle this. Yeah. They're like, no, 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 no. Like one covers both. You don't actually do that. That that doesn't sound right. At least they justify that. But the, the basic ruling here teaches us something pretty profound, which is that this is not understood to be a bracha that is just about processing the immediate past experience 
of having gone to the bathroom. It is about gratitude for something having happened. Basically, if I look back on my day at this moment, there were two times when apparently I'm supposed to be in retrospective wonder. That was unbelievable that my body did that thing. And it's two separate events that both require acknowledgement. So it's not an acknowledgement of the feeling. You know what's a miracle? I don't have to go to the bathroom right now. That's that's right. That's not the thing I'm blessing. What I'm blessing is my body worked not only once, but twice. That's right. And even the other poskim, the later authorities here who say, no, 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 one time of this bracha can cover both examples, both instances, mm-hmm. experiences, they're still understanding, right, that the first event still needs a bracha. You it's just, just the think second about one. both. Exactly. The second one can cover it. We actually have an answer for our questioner, right, which is the answer is when it comes to Asher Yatsar, there's no time limit. Even yesterday? Oh, I forgot to say it all day yesterday. So that's an interesting question. Sleep probably wipes it out. And it becomes academic on some level because once the dominant view in later halacha is just say one bracha and have in mind all the times that you missed, Mm -hmm. right? Even if that's not the way we would guide people ideally, but it works. So by the time you get up the next morning and you're going to the bathroom, you're not going to be, there'll be a new visit to the bathroom, right? That's covering it. But in principle- um, yeah, at the end of the day, it's been five hours since you've gone to the bathroom, and you realize, oh, I haven't said Asher Yatsar, you're supposed to say Yeah, it. I think this is especially helpful. Um, I was not raised with this blessing, and that means I, like, encountered a moment in my life where I said, I'd like to incorporate this into my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you weren't raised with it, it's very hard yes. um, to remember, because yeah. your brain doesn't automatically... Uh, you know, unless you were raised with it, think, oh, I should say a blessing. Like, that's not where your brain is when you are in the bathroom or or upon leaving the bathroom. And to know that, like, there's there's a little bit of room and space to say not, oh, shoot, I forgot to say it all day. But to say, you know what? I'm remembering now in this last mm-hmm. moment before I go to bed and I'm going to say it within mind the mm-hmm. entire day. Just sort of as a way into the practice, not not suggesting that that's yeah. a a catch-all um, or, or the right way to be. But I think it's it's a helpful um, it's a helpful thing to know if you're someone listening who doesn't do this practice, who thinks, this is beautiful and I'd love to try right. it out. Right. And I'm, but I'm, I'm not sure I can totally pull off immediately integrating it at every moment. I would especially say because this is a blessing that um, you really have to memorize in order to, to do this practice. Yeah, that's right. Um, and if you're if you're a person who either is slower to read or you don't want to just be standing around holding a, a piece of text reading, um, you know, that that would allow you to sort of read it when you can and then until you have it memorized. Yeah. It's interesting in terms of the questioner that we're giving a response of, yep, you just wait till you leave the bathroom and you don't worry about time intervals with this. But we're also actually giving, I think, a higher level response of there's no time interval and actually understanding that is critical for understanding the bracha and what it does, right? Just to go back to the contrast, understanding that there is a time interval for birkata mazon and blessings after food, 
highlights for you. This is about how am I feeling my body right now and are the effects of that last event, that last experience still with me? Whereas this bracha having no time limit is simply about marveling about something that happened in your body upon retrospective reflection. And that's something I hope the questioner will also take, not just the technical answer, but that reflection. And there was the piece of this question of, what am I supposed to think about during those five minutes? So I don't know, we have to program the person's thoughts the whole time. But to the extent something's on their mind, I would say, don't think about and stress out about when am I going to get to say Asher Yatsar. Reflect on the thing that Asher Yatsar is responding to, which is, I'm standing here in this line. I really don't want to be here. Maybe it's a possibility for a contemplative moment of kind of amazing to be able to go to the bathroom. It's a yeah. gift that, you know, unfortunately, not everyone has. Not everyone has the ability to freely and easily go to the bathroom all the time. Um, maybe those are your five minutes to actually think about the gratitude for that being the case for you. Right. In a way, actually, the pausing, the sort of getting tripped up by having to wait in line to leave helps force you to stop and realize what you're doing um, in a way, actually, maybe that this blessing is designed for. Maybe the stadium architects even had that in mind. I think probably. <laughs> yeah, L'shem mitzvah, for the sake of the mitzvah. That's why they uh, set it up this way. This gives us a lot to think about. Um, and, and yet, I will wish everyone opportunities to say blessings as quickly as possible. Amen. Have a halakhic question you'd like answered on the show? Email us at responsaradio at hadar.org. Responsa Radio is a project of the Hadar Institute. Thanks to Jeremy Tabak for producing this podcast and to David Chabinsky for recording and editing this episode. 